In the early days of sending out an EDM, I would get 12 people email me, but it's very rare now. But what happens is when somebody wants to get in contact with me, they might pick up an old email that I sent out and contact me that way. But I've just started doing the SMS messaging to people that I have their mobile phone for, and I'm using a service now. And I remember I had an intern who said, you send emails, they're free. Why are you paying to send out SMS messaging? I said, just you wait, we'll do our figures. And I believe this is a different channel of communication. Some people may not respond to an email, but they might respond to a text that feels more personal. And that's exactly what's happened. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. I am joined today by the absolutely delightful talent that is Nina Sunday. Nina, thanks for joining the show. Tim, it's a real pleasure, uh, and I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I've enjoyed knowing you over the last uh, 18 months, I think, through uh, C-Suite Network. Absolutely. Now, if you are not familiar with uh, Nina, Nina's based up in Queensland in Australia, and she's the founder and owner of Brain Power Training, uh, which leads a team of facilitators developing, ooh, that's a hard word, developing people skills in Australia wide in leadership, communication, productivity, emotional intelligence, psychological safety, change, and design thinking. That's a, a big mouthful of, of skills. She's also the host of a high rating leadership podcast. Manage Self Others, which I've had a bit of a listen to and some fantastic material on there. And Nina's on a mission to help leaders elevate and transform team culture. Now, I think this is absolutely critical as we look to grow our business. But Nina, I know you've had a a super varied and interesting life to get to where you are right now. But tell us more, a little bit more about you. Might be one thing that people don't know. Something that people don't know. Well, I I got my start in adult learning and in training and in sales by doing a speed reading course, training to become a a facilitator, an instructor, and then being the person that actually stands in front of the room uh, to sell the program through a uh, 50-minute, well, script that I had to learn. So I was selling as as young as 20. That's incredible. I I must admit, I remember doing a speed reading course in my youth, and I can't recall it was my idea or my parents. I suspect it was probably my parents' idea. I don't know that's something I necessarily would have volunteered for in my youth. Was that something you thought, this is a skill that I want to learn? It was. My uncle did the course, and he kind of got me to do the course that way. So I, I was just sort of following a lead family lead. But then it turns out that he got involved in instructing it. So he And they said, well, Nina's uh, going to become a teacher. Why don't you get her to become an instructor? So I guess I just fell into it. But the interesting thing about that, Tim, is I fell in love with teaching adults because I got involved with that. And I did teach high school. And I was teaching it as a student, teaching and selling it as a uni student. But then I became a student again 
to go to the three-year program of the Australian Film and Television School because I wanted to retrain into the media industry. And it just was a coincidence that there was a new owner of the speed reading license that had arrived from America to Australia. And there was a note slipped under my door. I just moved back to Sydney, a note under my door saying, we're looking for instructors again. So it was perfect timing. So then I had another eight years off and on of delivering speed reading and and selling it. But the other interesting thing is I then left that to uh, work in television. And my first business was actually teaching my own speed reading class because I left that company and I had a, a little experimental class at a at a one of these community colleges. And they said, well, as long as you give them this copy of the book, it was Read Better, Read Faster by someone, but you can teach whatever you like. As long as they're happy, we're happy. So I had for two years my own experimental group to experiment all the ideas I had that the company that I had worked for didn't want to know. We've got a system and that works. No improvements, thank you. So I put all my improvements into this experimental group that changed every uh, two months. By the mm. end of two years, I did I did a brain dump of all of my perfect career and what I would want in my perfect career. And I had to identify what are five things I could do, as well as win awards and have my own office and have a team. And I just created this whole picture, 43 sentences. And it was I could I could uh, do awareness about dolphins and whales. I could teach NLP, and then I went oh I could teach speed reading. I've got my own course, and I suddenly realised I went to market with my own speed reading course that was new, improved, and and organised differently. I think that's really interesting because most people fall into business accidentally, and the number of stories that I know you've heard, Nita, and and I've heard when talking to people about how they got started in business is the, the waiting is definitely, I had this skill, someone asked if I could do it for them and then someone else asked it. And, I, and all of a sudden, six months later, I found myself charging money for it and I had a business and I didn't really have any of the fundamentals or foundations as to where I was going to take this thing. But for you, it sounded very different. You had that opportunity to test in your community college, develop a product and probably the perfect like, a series of focus groups to develop a product and, and discover a need for it conveniently paid to discover the need for it as well, but then really mapped out what that business was going to look like for you. And that's something I think most people don't do, even if they've been in for business for for a few years, they don't get the opportunity to step back and kind of reimagine where am I going with this thing? And that's something you did. Well, I knew I wanted to be self-employed. I'd been trying with little multi-level marketing things like Barley Green. And uh, I, I, I have this love of dolphins and whales. And in the new age world, you can make a living doing lectures. I went to a few dolphin and whale conferences. But speed reading had been a constant in my life. And also it transformed how I, my grades at university, it transformed my ability to to read. I mean, I was always an avid reader, so I could just read more faster and understand it. But also it was a way to help people too, because I have a strong sense of, I I only want to sell a product that helps people because between being a teacher and going to film school, I actually was a, um, a an award-winning salesperson for a stainless steel cookware company and won a trip to the Philippines. So I'd already mastered sales. And so but then I, I wanted to a more a more interesting career. I wanted a brilliant career. So I thought, well, film and television, they had the film school. I applied. Uh, I was doing night classes on uh, in cinematography here in Brisbane. But it f- took me down to Sydney. And in fact, I stayed in Sydney for about three decades. But I've since done a hometown return. And uh, now I, my head office is now in Brisbane. But mm. the interesting thing is, 
I did what that company did was I didn't decide to make the company Nina Sunday. I decided I would get other facilitators, and I saw that as leverage. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki taught us that capital L leverage is the way you make you make money, you get wealthy. So I didn't see that if I made the company all about Nina Sunday, then I'd be ch- charging money for my labor, at least if I have other facilitators, which I still have in all the big cities. And that's why I can offer so many different topics is I'm not necessarily the leadership expert. I, I can do new leader training, but if we're talking about C-suite level, I've got other trainers that deliver to the C-suite. So it expands my reach. So when I decided to uh, change the name of my company from Accelerated Reading and Learning to Brain Power Training, it opened up. That kept me in the niche, which I was in for 10 years. Mm. But the minute I renamed my uh, company, it opened up all the other topics that I was able to then add to the stable, if you like. And they're quite symbiotic skill sets, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Well, I already was an English teacher, so it became obvious that I would create a course on business writing and I had to teach myself time management in order to to run a business and have have a team, which we grew gradually. And then all the other, all the other topics that have come on board, uh, well, I could read 20 books on the subject because I can read five times faster than most people anyway. So if someone reads four books, I can read 20 in the same amount of time. Yeah, just the ability to, I guess, distill and consume knowledge down into actionable things, I think is one of the most important skills that we as business owners can possibly possess. Absolutely. Uh, because we're surrounded by, we only got here by standing on the heads of giants. And there's so much information around us, but we can also, by the same token, get potentially information paralysis as well if we get too much information and don't know how to distill it into action. And that's how, uh, well, because I have a training company, that's what we do for our for the people that participate is that they don't even have time maybe to access the knowledge. But what we do is we can just distill it down to its essence. And also we can stay up to date with new knowledge as it comes on board, which is coming at an exponential rate, as we all know. Absolutely. Well, it certainly is now with uh, with the introduction of AI over the last six months. Let's pivot a little bit here. I'm really interested to know how your company leverages its sales and marketing process now. I know that you personally, and obviously probably many of your team, have the skills to distill information and then regurgitate it almost back to to your clients. But let's talk specifically on sales and marketing. Let's talk, yes. how, do you, how does your company attract clients on a leverage basis? Well, going back to about 2006, I, I had a I have a, a business partner that uh, was pretty gung-ho at us getting into uh, Google Ads. So fortunately, he researched that and set up our first lot of Google Ads and they worked really well. Uh, they still work well, but in the early days of Google, they worked even better because I think the more people on Google Ads increases the price. So there's this kind of bid strategy that you have to be mindful of, but certainly Google Ads. But I, I've i always been a believer in having a list and emailing the list. And in the early 2000s, there was a Microsoft had a thing called ListBot, and it was just plain text. And I would just write little articles and send it out, and the list started growing. At one point, it got to about 10,000. But as you, as emails change, et cetera, it's now down to a very current, very low bounce rate of 5,000. 
And I'm pretty well, every Tuesday I aim to send one out. But if for some reason, maybe I'm training that day and I didn't manage to get it written the week before, I don't mind if I send it out on a Wednesday or Thursday, but every week my list gets something. And it's usually informational, not just marketing PR, because that's when people will click off. It needs mm. to be something that is of value because they want something that's what's in it for them. So the the um, regular electronic direct mail to clients is really important. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really interesting one. And we often talk about having massive lists of 100,000 and, oh, my God, look at all the opportunity. But I think you've touched on a really interesting point there and a really important point that people should pay attention to. It's not the numbers on the list, it's the kind of engagement rate of that list. And I was a bit slow to to find out the benefit of knowing who opens because I remember that these uh, services that came along that said, "Oh, well, you'll find out who opens your list." I went, "Oh, well, they'll get they'll get back to me if if they're interested." Because in the early days of sending out a, a, an EDM, I would get twelve people email me, but it's very rare now. But what happens is when somebody wants to get in contact with me, they might pick up an old email that I sent out and contact me that way. But I've just started doing the SMS messaging to people that I have their mobile phone for, and I'm using a service now. And I remember I had an intern who said, you send emails, they're free. Why are you paying to send out SMS messaging, I said, just you wait, we'll do our figures. And I believe that this is a different channel of communication. And uh, some people may not respond to an email, but they might respond to a text that feels more personal. And that's exactly what's happened. I now have a booking that I'm doing uh, in a couple of weeks' time that came out of someone saying, oh, thanks, Nina, for the message. Yes, I'd like to talk to you in the new financial year. And there it goes on. So we're now using just nice simple, friendly questions like, friendly statements like, I was thinking about you last week, just wondering what your focus is these days. Uh, How about we get in touch with a Zoom or a phone call? Blah, blah. So it was just really nice and personal. And it feels like you're emailing them one-on-one. So yeah, Yeah. that's new. And I like that. I think that's a really key thing, right? It's not just value email, value email, value email. On everyone, it starts to get this storytelling, starts to build this relationship. And I know some of our listeners will have heard me say this before. It's not all about having 10 kids on the first date. We do need to build a relationship with people to the point where they'll say yes to potentially having 10 kids as well. And that's the depth of relationship that we want. So I'm going to sort of step back a bit here and just look at how you have you've built your funnel and how you've created leverage in, in what it is that you do. So we've got Google Ads. I know that you have a fantastic resource available, which is your selling skills uh, ebook that little link will be in the show notes but brainpowertraining.com.au forward selling dash skills dash training so if you want to grab a copy of that you certainly can again the link will be in the show notes but we're running google ads to a landing page that now has the selling skills playbook on it yes that puts people onto your list you're asking for their mobile phone number as well as their email now yes and then building a nurture sequence of little micro content that's friendly, that's personable, that's interesting and valuable to your to your prospects until such time as they're ready to raise their hand and say, hey, Nina, it sounds like you've got something that I might want. 
And of course, I have the podcast now where I can break up a video podcast that goes for maybe 30 minutes into little snippets. And I can send that out as uh, as an informational piece on my electronic direct mail, but also in my social media. I'm very active on LinkedIn, starting to be more active on, on Facebook, on my podcast page there. And uh, I've got a new social media uh, specialist who will get me more active on Instagram because you can't be an expert at everything. And I've decided that I want to own my LinkedIn channel, but I'm getting better at uh, spreading across all the social media channels. But I find the podcast amplifies my uh, my presence and, and elevates my the perception of people. Well, they, well, number one, they can get a sense of who I am, how I speak, how I ask questions, mm. and also the quality of my guests sort of rubs off on me too. So so I've added the podcast as well. It's a, I will say, Tim, it is a calling. It's not a go get clients strategy. It's because I want to do it first. And number two, I can see that there's all these side benefits as well. I still find it a bit of a challenge to find out how I get in touch with my listeners because they don't tell me who they are. It's a bit like radio. You don't know who they are. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I think it is like that, right? But we were creating creating content and I um I love this this message I think from Gary Vaynerchuk recently if you're if you're on social media which most of us are in some capacity right you want to be on social media as the content creator not the content consumer Absolutely. And the other thing is I used to have this uh, little personal motto in the days of t- carrying a book around always be reading ABR but now I my motto is always ABW always be writing And if you can't write create a podcast get on video interview people Right, and that can be your content creation as well. I love it. I, I but, get I get my uh, my young assistants to uh, interview me, and then I've got my own content that I can then turn into a, a little mini book as well. Yeah, I think the the opportunities to create content like that now for distribution. Right, obviously you can't just do the content creation and do nothing with it. You've got to put it out there to your network. Right, and it's a great way of not only attracting people that you want into your world, right? Attracting the right clients to you, but also repelling the wrong ones. Well, yeah. Yeah, there are a few tire kickers, let me tell you. And the people that that try and they try and bring you down with your price, like you're adding all this value. Look, I was very happy there was one client that kept saying, "Oh, we'd like it again, but can you do it for less?" I'm going, "Hey, it's a year later. We can't do it for less." We she ended up leaving. It's like, "Well, We'd already given her all this value and now it's like sometimes the cheapest client wants the most for as little as possible. So sometimes they're better off out of your life. Remarkable how that happens, isn't it? It speaks to the mindset. Let's uh, let's make another pivot. I want to wrap up today's podcast, yeah. Nina, and you've shared some absolute value bombs in your process and your journey. We was finished with a bit of a quick fire. My first question to you would be, I mean, we talked a lot about speed reading and the value of being able to sort of consume lots of information at once. How many words per minute? 2,000 words per minute with excellent understanding. However, depends on the complexity of what I'm reading. And I won't speed read poetry or a novel where the craft of the language is so incredible that you want to just go, oh, that sentence was poetic. I want to think about that. Like a Tim Winton novel, I may not speed read. Business books, on the other hand, are consumed like uh, popcorn at a movie. Yeah. What's one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at one point or other in their life? I love attracting 
university students as a one day a week intern. I currently have three, each doing one day a week. They're each specialists in their own area. One is a specialist editor for the podcast. Another is a specialist social media. But you only have to advertise, say, for one day a week at your in-home office, maybe for 30 weeks, and you pay them a, a basic wage. And if anyone wants to contact me, I'll tell them how they can find out what is the basic wage for a for an intern. But I remember back in 2019, I got one on board. She was so great. She said, can I stay on longer? I've got more time. It's my final final year and I'm doing it part-time. She ended up being my three-day-a-week paid assistant until she graduated and then she got a corporate job. But she got an amazing first job on the basis of the internship that she did with Brainpower Training. So I find that if you get an intern, you've got the the a future captain of industry while they're young, but they still have the incredible fresh mind that you can brainstorm with. So I, I really value having my recruiting interns as a, as a ever repeating source of talent. Yeah, that's awesome. Of all the keys to building a great team, what do you consider the most important? Well, I always start the day with a big picture meeting. And generally, if it's for the one day a week person who isn't really like when I had, I at one point I had a team of 10. So I'll talk about that. There's two ways. There's what I do now and what I used to do when I had a, a big team. I used to have a let's stop work and have morning tea together at about 11 a.m. Unless it was one of those super fast charge days where we just didn't have time to stop. But most days we had morning tea together. And I got it from a book called The Happiness Centered Business. And I went, why am I allowing my people to go up and just get their own tea or coffee and go back to their desk? Why don't we just do it all together all at once at 11, which we did. And then after chat time had stopped, I would then say, okay, mini meeting. And then we would just have a mini meeting. Not every time, but it was an opportunity to have a mini meeting. And what we understand about the eight good behaviors of a manager is one is you must understand what's happening in people's lives. And that's how you found out what was happening in people's lives. What I do now is I, because I have my assistant coming in that's been away for a week, what they were doing last week may not be our focus this week. So I prepare ahead of time a task list. I really just do it as a bit of a brain dump. And then together we sit down and discuss what they are and I assign the order of priority because they they haven't got the big picture view. I do. And I know what I what must be done and then what I'd like to be done. So I think giving guidance as to priorities is really important, but as well, because I have lunch with them. I make sure we eat lunch together. Finding out what's happening in people's lives is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Actually, it reminds me of a, an interview I went back, you know, going back years ago. I was uh, invited to interview for the position of uh, a project office manager or something. I'd head up the project management office at HP in, in Canberra. And uh, the guy who was interviewing and said, look, we've got this really kind of siloed culture right now. How would you fix this? And I said, well, I'd put on cake. Yeah. Exactly. And he didn't like that answer and I didn't get the job. Well, that was his um, lack of foresight because that's exactly the answer, Tim. You've nailed it. There we go. All right. Last but not least, Nina, where can we find you online? How can we get in contact? The quick and easy email is nina at ninasunday.com. That goes to my speaker website or uh, there's info at brainpowertraining.com.au. That's my cash cow, my training company. Fantastic, guys. Absolute value bombs again from Nina. I mean, the, the great thing I love about this show is being able to interview 
incredible entrepreneurs like Nina Sunday, who's been in the game for such a long time, built very, very successful businesses and really kind of drilling down into how, how did that happen? And we've just uh, got some insights from Nina's business today. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Nina, thanks again for joining us. A total pleasure, Tim. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. And I gain, gain some insights from your feedback and responses too. So thanks. Thanks so much. Fantastic, guys. We'll catch you next time. And uh, until then, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.